for the past week or 10 days we've been seeing what look like doomsday pictures from Joshimat. Joshimat is a small town, it's not a city, city city by Uttarakhand standards, by, by the standards of the remote areas of Uttarakhand which are very difficult to inhabit. Yes, it's a sizable town of about 20,000 people. Maybe in the tourist season or pilgrimage season about 20, in deep winter maybe 16, 17. So it's a very small town. In other parts of say the Hindi heartland and most parts of the country, this will be just a village. But 16 to 20,000 people in the Himalayas at 6150 feet but surrounded by much higher Himalayas and also also on the route to much higher Himalayas in the course of many crisscrossing rivers and many crisscrossing and also also at the foot of many crisscrossing glaciers. This is a very precariously located town of as I said, about 20,000 people. And you will see these pictures as we move along. You can see these cracks. It looks very bad. It looks very bad for anybody. It looks very bad, worse, even when it happens to your own fellow compatriots from your own country. It looks even worse. Imagine how does it look if you live in the city where it's happening. And finally, how disastrous it is if it happens in the home where you are living or if it's a little business that you built, in this case, in the case of Joshimut, most of it which will be small lodges and tiny hotels or what passes off for hotels. That means you put, put in your life's earnings, savings and maybe borrowings to set up this place because now you know that the roads are improving. Roads are improving. There is a promise of a ropeway coming up. This is bang on the route of so many places of pilgrimage. Right? So you think that an investment into a tiny hotel or a lodge here would be worth your while, would be very good. And then you find the ground is cracking up or the walls of your home or building or a hotel have broken. So this is a bit like in Hindi we might say, tale dharti right? Mere ke niche se dharti nikal gai, or the ground slipped from under my feet. In this clay case, the ground isn't just slipping under my feet, but the ground is cracking open under my feet. This sounds horrible. Now, we will talk about the science and the analysis of this in the next 10-15 minutes. But also, we have to see what happens when such things happen. Human beings have a lot of resilience, right? Uh, at the same time, sometimes too much resilience because human beings also sometimes are unrealistic when it comes to their dealings with nature. Now, there are three, three ways of looking at this, three ways of addressing this issue. First of all, we have to understand what this issue is. This is old. This is not something that happened yesterday. This has been happening since there have been mountains and glaciers and rivers in this region. So say for the past 150 years or so since we've seen some historic records, there have been, they've been some disasters. There's been land subsidence. This is called land subsidence. So this is land subsidence in this region. There have been earthquakes in this region. This is the seismic zone five so very very fragile seismologically this has many rivers coming in rivers are coming in water courses are coming in it at an incline so as the water comes down it gathers a great deal of momentum particularly as it picks up loose rock and sand on the way so that is debris coming at you or boulders coming at you at some speed and with that speed can you imagine 
Can you imagine the force it gathers? And we've seen this happen in 2021 in the same general area near what is called as the Tapovan Vishnugar project being, being implemented by NTPC, National Thermal Power Corporation. This is four plants of 130 megawatts each. So say 520 megawatt plant. That is where this big ice rock disaster had taken place and lots of people had got buried and part of the project had also got buried. So this is a very fragile zone which has seen trouble for 150 years. Now, having accepted that fact, because these are facts, you can't deny them. This is geology, this is nature, uh, this is the river Ganges, this is the Himalayas. And this is also probably the most fragile zone of the Himalayas. We know that the Himalayas are the youngest mount, big mountain in the world. But within the Himalayas, this is probably the most fragile zone in the Himalayas, partly because there are so many rivers, water courses. This is the larger Ganga Jamna system. In this area, particularly the Ganga system and also then the glacier, glaciers higher up. Now, what do you do when something like this happens in a place like Joshimat? In fact, over time, more than 400 villages in the same general area, in the same general geography. When I say general area, sounds like walking distance from Joshimut. No, not that, but in the same general geography. And see this map of Uttarakhand and see this zone with Terry Garbal on one side, Pithoragad on the other, very sparsely populated, very mountainous, with a lot of inclines, very jagged and ragged, and no surprise that a lot of people have been migrating from Uttarakhand to the rest of the country to work. So over the decades, in fact, I'd say over the centuries, people from Uttarakhand have gone to the mainland to find work because Uttarakhand has no industry. Not much industry is possible in the mountains. At least the Uttarakhand mountains have no industry. Uttarakhand has some plains areas like Pantnagar, Hardwar, etc., which might have some industry but or Dehradun. But the mountains industry is not possible. So people have been leaving. They've been joining the armed forces. They've been working in the cities at various levels. So Uttarakhand is a people exporting state. Now people saw a hope and the hope was that we have this, we have tourism and tourism still has limitations. How many people can go say to Missouri and pay how much money and Missouri is only one place. But because we have these places of pilgrimage, Badrinath, Kedarnath, Hemkund Sahib for the six, right? Rishikesh and Hardwar in any case and then Dev Prayag and Karan Prayag and Shankaranan temple and so on and so forth and Modi government is now putting this Chardham Yatra highway they are widening the road making it a first class mountain road also they are taking the railways quite deep into Uttarakhand they are tunneling for it also so maybe a new economy will come up so people have found comfort so people maybe some are going back Maybe some are building businesses, but they are counting on tourism from pilgrimage. And that depends on this infrastructure construction. So the first question that arises, has this happened now in Joshimut because of this infrastructure construction and also because of the dam building activity? The dam building activity for now is stopped because of the disasters in Joshimut's vicinity. But these questions arise. So first of all, as I said, three issues. Three options. Which one do we follow? Number one option is, now say, oh, this is too fragile and too dangerous. So evacuate and abandon. Bhago. Right? You can evacuate. You can evacuate 
20,000 people. Uh, it isn't that much of a disaster. It's a disaster for people who have to leave their homes. But if it's a question of survival, you can relocate 20,000 people. This is not a city like Jakarta. So city like Jakarta, which is the fastest sinking city in the world, capital of Indonesia is among the biggest cities in the world. I don't know the latest population count, but it's 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 somewhere somewhere if you look at greater Jakarta, etc. It would be somewhere between about 1.25 to 1.5 crores, right? That city is sinking. That city is sinking because of overexploitation of groundwater. Some of that might also be problem with Joshi Mutt, but we'll come to that in a minute. So if it was a question of evacuating or abandoning Jakarta, you say push. That's not possible, right? But if it's 20,000, in any case, you've declared 400 villages unlivable in Uttarakhand. So what is this? This is just an overgrown village. But you know, that's not anybody's idea because you want Uttarakhand to find a way of being at peace with itself while at the same time being able to prosper. So not everybody has to leave for jobs elsewhere. In the case of many people from Uttarakhand, also, also to work as casual labor, etc., etc. For many of them, if local economy is built, particularly around pilgrimage tourism, that would be much more remunerative. So, evacuate and abandon is really not an idea. And how much will you evacuate and abandon in these reaches of Uttarakhand? You cannot evacuate Badrinath, Kedarnath, Shankracharya temples or the Hemkund Gurdwara and tell people, all right, you can only go there by helicopter. That means only very few people and that too rich people will be able to go to these pilgrimage centers. Also, it will be cruel to the population. So, the first option doesn't work very well. The second option is do patchwork and band-aid. That is actually the worst option. That is today abandon the buildings which are damaged, right, or areas which are seeing the cracks and build and allow similar stuff to come up elsewhere, right. So, for now, it look like and, and give each one owner of each one of these buildings some money right in India even if there's a big disaster the first thing our politicians do anywhere any party is to sanction money to the family they know that families are poor right even even if even in a case of a horrible rape gang rape and murder of a woman the first thing would be if the if the woman is from a poor family to offer relief to the family because that's also a way of buying the silence of the family and to and to calm down the Headline. So you can do all that. You can give people a bit more money, maybe more than what building a new place will cost and let them and, and demarcate some areas that look safer for now and let them build again. That will be a patchwork and band-aid solution. Not a good idea. Absolutely the worst idea because then what's happened just now will happen again. So how many places will you change then? And third is simple the toughest and probably the wisest, which is come back to our senses. It's also the toughest because coming back to your senses means responding with some humility. So this is humility about nature that look, I'm coming in the way of nature. Nature is not coming in my way. And I will explain to you over the next couple of minutes why this is like coming in the way of nature. So then say, I'm not coming in the way of nature. I am giving nature its way. I am relocating myself where there is, you know, we talk about man-animal conflict, human-animal conflict. In this case, there is human-nature conflict. So, the way, the way to minimize that is not to get out of the way of nature and go someplace else, right? It is to learn to live with nature. And that is coming to your senses, which would mean relocating yourselves 
in a way that you are not in the way of water courses, relocating yourselves in a place on, on the ground which is actually firm ground and no, not just an agglomeration of glacial moraine. You know what happens when glaciers re recede, they leave moraine behind. Now what is moraine? This is conquered, patha, boulders, you know, stones, sands, boulders, rocks that glaciers leave behind. There, if you build your habitations or townships or cities, you are asking for trouble because wherever a gl glacier has been, wherever a river or a watercourse or a rivulet has been, you can be absolutely sure that it will revisit that place. Because once a rivulet, river, a watercourse, a glacier has discovered an area, it will revisit that area. If you, if, if you go and sit there and say, this is flat ground, a river created it, it's right, right now dry, or a glacier created it, then you are waiting for that glacier or the river to come down and take you with it. And that's happened in Uttarakhand in these mountains many times. In fact, if I can give you some data, some broad data, so say between 2000 and 2009, this is all Government of India data, 2000 to 2009, about 433 to 440 lives were lost in disasters in Uttarakhand, generally in the same region. The decade of 2010 to 2020, 1312 or 1315 lives were lost in this region. Again, in 2021 alone, more than 300 lives were lost. And remember, that was that ice rock storm that came down at this Tapovan Vishnugar dam site. This is a dangerous area. Now, why does it happen there? Talk to some experts. So, Karachan Sain, you've seen him on most TV channels. You've seen him interviewed in most newspapers. He tells you he is a foremost, foremost scientist in this area. He is also the director of Dehradun-based Vadia Institute of Himalayan Geology. Vadia Institute of Himalayan Geology, by the way, started as Delhi University's geology department, was relocated to Dehradun and there it was built up and then it was named after Dr. D.N. Vadia, Professor D.N. Vadia, who was seen as its founder. And that naming was done in 1976. So, Kalachan Sen, Professor Kalachan Sen is now the director of Vadia Institute of Himalayan Geology. And he, he says the same thing. He says, look, Joshimat is set up in a place which is built on debris, weak, it's, it's weak ground. It is, not, it is not sitting on a rock as many other cities do. And this is, these are moving sands in the mountains. Also, it comes in the way of too many things. And it's not something... That's been discovered now, almost 50 years ago, in fact, in 1976, so that is 48 years ago, there was a report by the MC Mishra Committee. And that MC Mishra Committee also pointed at the same things. You will find some details on that in a story that my colleague Simran Surur has done. I'm sharing a link of the whole story with you. You will also see a screenshot of the front page just now. Now, if you see from this report, from which Simran quotes, it tells you that this is the old landslide zone. This was pointed out in this 1976 report. Second, in 2009, it is here that an aquifer was punctured. Now, what is an aquifer that's punctured? We know that there is groundwater and particularly in the Himalayan region, this is a very riverine region, there is a lot of water underground. So, the tunnel, bo tunnel boring machine working at this Tapovan Vishnugar pro project in 2009 this is this had gone right through an underground aquifer, very deep in the ground, almost seven eight hundred meters deep. 
it had gone straight into an aquifer, aquifer and the machine got stuck. But as a result, because it punctured the aquifer, so much water came out. And how much water came out and how much, how much water is coming out now? So Simrin in her story also quotes Harsh Vats, who is a geologist at Indian Institute of Remote Sensing at Dehradun, IRSD, which also has its own studies. And that institute, IRSD, is now, has now been committing a deformation study. What is a deformation study? This, this picks satellite Im imagery. So through this satellite imagery, what does it do? It studies and analyzes the acceleration or the pace of land subsidence in the region. That report apparently is going to come out very soon. Again, going back to the NC Mishra 1976 report, that said this place stands on a deposit of sand and stone. This is not the main rock. This is not suitable for a township. This was 1976. Because you know what happens when times are good, you think, ah, what? This happened in the past, this will not happen again. But everything that happened in the past, vis-a-vis -vis nature, will happen again. So either you should have the ability to prevent it from happening or you should get out of the way, which means you learn to live with it, give nature its way and doing your own thing. So this 1976 study had also said that there should not be any removal of boulders in this area, also no blasting, but you know, a lot of construction is going on there. The Chardham highway is going on. And now there are other plans as well. And as I told you, railways, railways are not quite reaching here, but railways in the Himalayas, and this is one ecosystem. So everything shakes. Piyush Rautela is the other guy who's being quoted a lot. Piyush Rautela heads the disaster management department of Uttarakhand government. He wrote a peer-reviewed paper in 2010, Simran tells us, which said that every second, 700 to 800 liters of water is now getting lost from the aquifer in this area, which means up to 70 million liters of water is being lost in a day. And what happens when that aquifer is emptying out? That aquifer is like a foundation on which everything is resting. When that's emptying out, that itself causes a problem and he's now been quoted as saying, again in Simrin's story, he had said in his earlier paper, in his peer-reviewed paper in 2010, that sudden and large-scale dewatering of the strata has the potential to initiate ground subsidence. So papers of his, I'm sharing screenshots with you and I'm also sharing links to the whole papers. Now, what is the future? What can be done? Maybe that's a subject for another episode of Karta Clutter and we'll do that in the course of time because this problem is not about, about to go away. But the thing that everybody talks about is microzonation, which means, you know, this is the zone and this is the, these are the challenges. So you create microzones or you demarcate microzones, which are nothing is risk-free, which are the least risk prone. But the more important thing there, and this is a little bit of my own uh, amateur opinion, also look at your construction methods. You know, we in India have got too concrete and rock obsessed. We are using so much more marble, so much more rock, so much more concrete in our construction. Learn from communities and countries which have learned to li live in seismic zones. The Japanese, for example, within our own country, I spent three years living in the Northeast between 1981 and 83. I was in Shillong. There were earthquakes there all the time, you know, all the time. It was a bit like suddenly you saw a Loki, a bottle god, 
sitting on your on the shelf of kitchen shaking like this right you took it in your stride why because your homes were built on stilts they were built with wood very light built with stilts and if an earthquake came they also shook with the earthquake and you knew and you knew god forbid even if a very heavy earthquake comes even if it collapses it will not be like a concrete slab collapsing on your head it will be a very lightly built surely you will go down down with it or it will come down on you but chances of your surviving that survive surviving that in fact without serious injury are very good again in assam a lot of the construction was carried out with what was called as hollow brick this is lighter brick which is hollow from the inside again it makes for very good earthquake proofing so if you can do all of that if you can go light in your construction particularly in zones like this so first demarcate a micro zone which may be less risky than the rest and then specify construction methods otherwise you can build maybe 18 inch walls 24 inch walls you can with you can build any size of walls you can build the great wall of china but what happens when the ground under you breaks right then where will the wall go ultimately the wall will go inside the ground so once again humility with nature that's my humble opinion humility in our interactions with nature is a most important need so that is the lesson that these cracks in joshimat are teaching us again and by the way as i conclude let me also remind you that simrin sirur has now reached joshimat she is accompanied by sham nandan with camera and just watch out for their coverage coming out from the spot in uttarakhand